0: This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist. Keep my eye on the economy every day for you. With no bluster, no bias, and no bull. April 16th, 2020. A lot of information to share with you all today. I'm starting out with the economic releases. Um, Last week there were 6.6 million people that filed for unemployment claims, unemployment insurance, and this week it was 5.3 million 5.245 million to be exact. So that brings uh, the total so far since this pandemic started to 22 million Americans who have filed for unemployment insurance. Just unfathomable. Next up is housing starts. Housing starts for March were not too bad, but there was a decline uh In February, it was one point five six four million at a seasonally adjusted annualized rate and for March, it was one point two one six million, which was not only lower than February but also lower than the lowest uh, estimate in the consensus range building permits. Uh, also saw a decline from 1.452 million in February to 1.353 million in March, which was in line with uh, in line with the consen- higher than the consensus range, or higher than the consensus estimate. The Philadelphia Fed Business Outlook Survey, which is a uh, basically an, out- an outlook survey for manufacturers in the Philadelphia area, fell from. Uh, See, in, in March, it was minus 12.7, which was pretty bad. The consensus was uh, for a drop to minus 30, but the actual drop was down to minus 56.6. Atrocious. So that shows that fi- manufacturing in the Philadelphia area has been hit very, very hard by the pandemic. The Fed's balance sheet. whoops, I'm not going to go to that yet. Okay, yeah, I will that was the fourth thing. So the Fed's balance sheet is now at six point zero oh six point zero eight three trillion and that is up from about four point four, four point five trillion before the pandemic. So it's gone up by one point five trillion since the pandemic started and will keep going up. And that's gonna keep happening until we uh get out of this thing. And let me just read this quick little uh, summary of uh, the New York Fed President, John Williams, speaking today. Here's what he's, here's, here's a highlight report. The full scale of economic follow-up from the COVID-19 pandemic remains unknown, but the Federal Reserve has acted decisively to support recovery, New York Fed President John Williams said on Thursday. Although stresses in financial markets will not entirely abate until the pandemic is behind us, we have seen material improvements in measures of liquidity and market functioning. The Fed has undertaken its largest ever interventions in financial markets and has acted through its array of special special facilities. Its goal is to restore access to liquidity, in particular to ensure credit is available to otherwise healthy businesses. Asked to quantify the scale of economic declines in the current quarter, Williams declined and said the Fed has acted decisively and at scale. We have done everything in our power, he said, adding that the central bank will continue to use all its tools within the law to support recovery, subject to limits imposed by the Treasury credit backstop. Economic recovery may be gradual and may be spotty, reflecting the phased lifting of social distancing and other other measures, he said. It is also unclear how people will behave as the restrictions are lifted. Some sectors like construction, where projects were suspended, are likely to bounce back more rapidly than others. He said the key driver to solvency issues will be how long it takes for the economy to restart and whether there is a recurrence of the virus. So I just thought I'd share that with you. I watched a webinar today put on by the National Association of well actually it was put on by the National Association for Business Economics. And one of the presenters was from the National Association of Home Builders, and I'm just going to go quickly through the highlights here again. Like I said yesterday, the uh, the housing market index from the NHA, NAHB, and Wells Fargo uh, plunged uh, all the way down to 30 in April. Just a m- truly massive plunge. Um, by far the lowest in, since at least 2013, that's as far back as the chart goes, excuse me. And there is a very strong correlation between what happens with the housing market index and single family starts. So expect when the single family starts measure comes out that, uh, let's see here. Yeah, we just got the housing starts for, for, uh, for March. Oh, okay. That was March. So for April, uh, expect a very, very, very big decline in housing starts uh, if the correlation holds with the housing market index. Um, I'm just going to go through another chart here that shows some uh, information as to how uh, certain aspects of the construction industry are faring through the, through the coronavirus. I will just show share with you the percent who said yes to a major extent. Uh, let's see. So... The the overall question, as of this date, has the coronavirus had a noticeable adverse effect on any of the following aspects of your business? Those who said yes to a major extent, uh, traffic traffic of prospective buyers, 72% said yes to a major extent cancellations or delays of existing remodeling projects fifty six percent homeowners concerned about interacting with homeowners concerns about interacting with remodeling crews fifty one percent how long it takes to obtain a plan review for a typical single family home forty five percent rate at which inquiries for modeling for remodeling work are coming in sixty seven percent how long it takes the local building department to respond to requests for an app for an inspection forty percent willingness of workers and subs to report to a construction site twenty six percent supply of building projects and materials seventeen percent ability to obtain new business loans or deal with banks on existing loans twenty one percent so the, the two biggest ones were traffic of prospective buyers and rate at which inquiries for remodeling work are coming in so those two uh, those two areas were the most affected <clears throat> Um, Let's see here. 21% of builders report supply disruptions due to coronavirus concerns in other countries. Um, 1% said yes to a major extent, and 20% said yes to a minor extent. 79% said no supply disruptions from other countries or due due to coronavirus concerns in other countries. Um, Just wanted to share with you a couple numbers on this next slide that shows 31% of all building materials imports come from China. Wow. That is a big deal. 16% comes from Mexico and 16% comes from Canada. And uh, there's a whole bunch of other countries that I won't bother with, but 31% from China. So... That suggests that uh, it's going to be a pretty big impact on the market, I think, for a while. Not only because people are afraid to buy stuff from China, but also because people may not want to buy stuff from China now due to uh, the fact that it's now been reported that there's a very high likelihood that the uh, coronavirus escaped from a lab in Wuhan, China. So there's a lot of uh, geopolitical um, angst right now at China. Um, let's see here. Existing single-family home sales were doing pretty good um, up until the the coronavirus hit. Uh, uh, the recent recent trough was 4.4 million in January 2019, and in February 2020, uh, we had about 5.2 million. So it's been on a real nice upward trend. So expect that to just crater in the in the in uh from for march new home inventory uh the recent peak was 7.4 months in december 2018 february saw uh february 2020 saw a five month supply so much tighter much tighter market before the virus hit the construction outlook for single family starts uh the NH- NAHB is saying for 2020 expecting a 19% drop in single family starts and in 2021 a 27% rebound. For multifamily housing starts expecting a 12% decline and a 14% rebound in 2021. Residential remodeling Uh, Is is expected to take quite a hit, although not huge. Going back to levels seen about 2017 looks like in their forecast. And that's it for that slide presentation. And let's see. I'm just going to go through another presentation here. There's four slides. There's a lot of information here that you might be interested in, in, especially if you're in real estate or construction. Um, let's see. Owners ordered halt to w- current work For- 41% said yes. Cancelled current or scheduled project 19%. Have you experienced project delays or disruptions? Total 65% said yes. And uh, broken down by shortage of personal protective equipment 39%, shortages of construction materials 23, pr- shortages of construction materials equipment or parts 23%, shortages of craft workers including subs, 26%. Have suppliers sent notice that deliveries will be late or canceled, 42%. Laid off workers, 40%, which includes job site workers, 36%, and office or other, 18%. Um, That doesn't add up to 40%, but there's probably some overlap there. Uh, Applied for PPP, uh, the uh, PPP loans, 64%. Approved, 10% awaiting an answer, 54%. So of all those who applied for a PPP loan, only 10% of the 64% who said yes have gotten their loans approved. That's just terrible. So quite a backlog in in the PPP loan uh, program. Current economic impacts on construction. Owners are increasingly halting projects, canceling scheduled starts. Governors, local officials are tightening previous exemptions. Uh, I suppose it's exemptions for social distancing. Disruptions are increasing due to shortages of PPE materials and workers. Growing number of suppliers are warning of late and canceled deliveries. Layoffs are growing more widespread as projects finish or are halted. A few positives they shared were that small number of new projects to respond to crisis um, healthcare manufacturing and lodging, primarily. A few cases of accelerated highway airport work as traffic declines. We here in Minnesota say, yes, do the, all the road construction now while nobody's driving. <laughs> and substantial price reductions for fuel and other commodities. So that should bring down the cost of building homes, maybe. Construction outlook for 2020. Virtually no new private starts are, except for pandemic-related and emergency repair work. Wow. That's, that's hard to believe. Um I, can, I, I, w- I would assume it'd be a very big decline, but they're saying virtually no new private starts. So I'll have to see how that pans out. State departments of transportation are likely to continue lettings, but with some delays and cutbacks. Um, I think it's Department of Transportation. It says DOT. Other instruction or other infrastructure will depend on amount of advanced or assured funding. Many state and local building projects will be canceled or postponed. Contractor layoffs, closures, and bankruptcies will increase sharply. PPP loans may keep many firms afloat if dispersed in time. But like I said, there's a big backlog right now. So they got to get that money now. Likely longer-term economic impacts on construction. Slower rebound than for other sectors as owners, consumers, and consumers await certainty and repair of balance sheets. That kind of conflicts with what they said in the earlier Slide or the earlier um, presentation. Um, hmm, That's interesting. One of them says should be rebounding quicker than most sectors. But now this slide says rebounding slower. So there's uh, conflicts there. Public spending will be will vary according to revenue revenue source amount of unbudgeted costs incurred to combat pandemic. Less demand in pre-crisis for retail offices, higher ed, and cultural facilities. Yes, there's going to be a big decline in demand for offices as people work from home now during the pandemic and probably even, so, even afterwards. Uh, so I would not be investing in commercial real estate for quite a while if I were you. Possibly less demand for sports, entertainment, lodging, and travel related. Possibly even greater demand for distribution facilities and data centers. Little long-term change in outlook for K-12 education, water, sewer, and federal buildings. Unclear is additional infrastructure funding and healthcare construction. Yeah, they're talking about the infrastructure funding as being the next uh, uh, in the phase four of the uh, of the stimulus that'll be coming from the federal government, but that's still under debate. All right, so there's that. Uh, let's see what's next here. <clears throat> um, i share something here from... There was some information here from one of the... I'm on an email list from a finance professor who shares clippings from the Financial Times every day. Every single day, he uh, shares clippings from the Financial Times. If you want to get on his email list... um. Email r-r-s-t-a-i-g-e-r at p-g-a-i-n-l-l-c dot com. That's Roger Steger, good friend. And tell him that Ed Cashmark sent you. I'm sure he will be pleased. Um, I'm not going to read his whole email here, but I, want, I wanted to share just... Uh, This little section here. Factory output and retail sales underlined economic hit to U.S. It said retail sales dropped by the most since the data began being collected in 1992. And industrial outputs showed the biggest monthly decline since the end of the Second World War in March. Um, I mentioned that yesterday, but I didn't know it was the end of the Second World War. Uh, let's see here. Uh, industrial production, a broad range, a broad gauge of output from factories, mines, and utilities, fell 5.4% in March on the previous month. That's the worst since 1946. Headline retail sales in shops and restaurants fell by 7%, erasing four years of growth. Like I said yesterday, purchases at grocery stores surged by 27% as everybody went on a massive hunt for toilet paper. <laughs> But there was a 27% drop at bars and restaurants, which in many cases had to close. Sales at gas stations sank 17%. Clothing sales were cut in half, the worst of any category. And car and furniture sales each dropped by 25%. Wow. So that was just a little snippet of Roger's email. Uh, Up next... Oh, I just wanted to mention something from a video I watched today. A farmer was interviewed and she said that there's a massive backlog in the supply for beef because uh, producers of beef are not taking cows because of, there's such a huge decline in, well, supposedly a big decline in demand for beef. So uh, the farmers are finding that they are taking their cattle to market and there's no, there's no buyers so that tells me that I don't know the next story might be a big um a big killing of uh of herds. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens there, but that is that is just not good news. Not good news. Especially if you're an animal lover. All right. Um what's next here? Okay, an update on the coronavirus. Uh this is the global, the fatality rate, which is fatalities divided by current or divided by total cases so far, is 6.67 percent, and it just keeps going up and up and up and up and up. Um, we are getting more testing, but we're also finding more people having the virus. Um, the low, the lowest it was was about two percent way back in February but now it's 6.67%, so it's more than tripled. The fatality growth rate, which is the day-over-day rate of growth of fatalities, as of April 16th is uh, 4.97%. That's down from a recent peak of about 14.4% back in, in late March uh so it's so it's come down so that's nice to see but again we're only halfway through the day here so we'll see what that is at the end of the day and the uh the numbers for the United States are The fatality rate is 5.11%, which also continues to go up. There was a big increase from 4.03% on April 13 to 4.83% on April 14. Um, The rate of growth in fatalities for the United States um, soared from 6.9% on April 13 to 26.2% 26.2% on April 14, just massive. And then it's back down to 6.5% as of right now, which is about quarter to seven in uh, Central Standard Time on April 16th. That's 6.5%. I'm not really going to give any forecasts here just because it's really hard to to, sh- to share or to show or it's really hard to forecast what's going to happen with this virus. There are forecasts out there. I'm sure you're all aware of them. But what I wanted to mention was that for the United States, a couple days ago, I'm scrolling here, a couple days ago on April 14th, the death rate was about 2,400, and now I'm looking at it, they, they, they updated it to... 6,185 people died on April 14th. That's three times more than what it said earlier. I mean, I don't know what happened, but I guess they had a slew of death reports come in. I mean, that, that's, oh my gosh, that's just horrible. Six six thousand 6,185 people. As of right now, for, for April 15th, it was 2,618 people died, and... I'm just going to refresh this year so I can get the most recent number. Um, today, April 16th, so far, 2,137 people have died, 606 in New York, and 362 in New Jersey. So, the hell just continues in New York. Pray for New York, my goodness. One other thing I wanted to share with you was, a vid- uh, I saw a video yesterday that talked to where a legislator... I'm not sure who where he was from. I think he was from Minnesota, but I'm not sure. Um, very, very disturbing what this man said. This man said two things that are very disturbing. One, he said that he received... Yeah, he was from Minnesota. He received a letter from the Minnesota Department of Health that told him to... that It was a suggestion, I don't know if it was a mandate, but a suggestion that if people died from... If people, who, if people died and they had the virus in their body, but they did not die from the virus, in other words, if they died from pneumonia or heart disease or diabetes or something else, in other words, a, a different a comorbidity, as they say, um, that they were instructed to label that death as being from coronavirus, from COVID-19. What in the world is going on here? That is incredibly disturbing. That just tells you that they're trying to hype this. They're trying to hype this. And I don't know who's behind this. This was the Minnesota Department of Health instructing them to do this. But I don't know where those instructions are coming from. Are they coming from the governor or what? I don't know, but that's terrible. That is just absolutely terrible. So when we're talking about deaths from coronavirus, there could be a fairly substantial share of the deaths that they're reporting as coronavirus deaths that are not actually from coronavirus. Wow. That ought to anger a lot of people. And another thing he said was that there is, a, you know, there's a gravy train going on here. Um, he said that the if somebody comes in and is on Medicare, that any hospital that treats a COVID-19 patient with Medicare gets $13,000 in aid. I don't know where that... Coming from the state, I guess. Maybe it's coming from federal, I don't know. But $13,000 in aid for every single patient that gets COVID-19. Even worse, somebody who gets put on a ventilator, the hospital gets $39,000 for that. So there actually is an incentive for hospitals to label somebody uh, who's on Medicare... As a COVID-19 patient, um, I'm sure that they are, you know, if they have the virus, you know, that's a little bit different than labeling, labeling, labeling them as dying from coronavirus, because if you have the virus, you have the virus. But And there's an incentive to get somebody on the ventilator, too, even if they may not need it. I'm sure they're not really doing that, but you just never know what's going on in these hospitals, so... I just wanted to share those two really disturbing points with you. I mean, oh. All right, now I'm going to move on to my unemployment tips. Uh, 101 ways to stay sane during unemployment. Tip number four. This is in the first commandment. Be thankful for everything you have. Gratitude. Tip number four. Be thankful for, yes, money. Some of you are doing very well, some of you are doing okay, some of you are doing poorly, and some of you are on the brink of disaster. But whatever money you have, just be thankful for it. Thank God, thank the universe, whoever you want to thank. Just be thankful for the money that you have. Because no matter where you look, somebody else is in a much worse shape than you. Even if you're in really bad shape, somebody else is in worse shape. So be thankful for the money that you do have, and I also wanted to share with you that I have put a, a feedback link on my podcast page or on my on my website, uh, which is www.edcashmark.com. That is www.e.d.k.a.s.h.m.a.r.e.k. dot com, and. I don't even have my website up. (laughs) Let me pull up my website. That I wanted to share with you also is that I also put on that podcast page a link for my Podbean site, a link for my Apple podcast site, and a link for my Google podcast site. And a link where you can share your feedback about my podcast. So just go to my, my website and just go to the podcast page for that. And you can also find the link, the uh, tab that says join my email list if you'd like to join my email list. I'm not really sending out anything right now, but in the future I I will most likely get back to writing my reports. And so if you got my email list, you will get those. And let's see what else have I got here. Uh, That's it. That's it for today. So I hope all of this was helpful for you. I hope uh, um, that uh, this new format is working for you. And if you like what you're hearing so far, spread the word. Please spread the word uh, to all your social media sites, all your friends, neighbors, and relatives, family, friends, neighbors, and relatives, and even your dog. Who knows, your dog might like my podcast. (laughs) Um, And uh, so please do spread the word. And this is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay sane. Have a good rest of your day.